Welcome everyone to this episode of Modern Idealist. We're going to be using the first few minutes on a breathwork exercise led by our guest today, Bonnie Coberly. This is really her expertise and we like to dedicate this time to you as a gift to yourself as you go about your busy days. Even if you're on a walk and can't close your eyes, just breathe with us. And if you want to skip it, just skip ahead to 5 minute 30. Thanks, Valerie and Marin. So good to be here. This is something I do often with my clients in our sessions, um, also when I'm working with groups, or this is something you can just consider as you're landing in a team meeting. It's just a chance to kind of get grounded in the space together. So um, we'll just take a couple minutes to do that here before we get into our conversation. If you want to just go ahead and close your eyes. And really just feel your seat, yourself in your seat. Your feet aren't on the floor. You can put them there. Really feel your feet just rooting into the ground. Then just beginning to bring some awareness to your breath. Just the natural rise and fall. Noticing the temperature around you. The temperature of your breath as it moves in and out. And just noticing how you're arriving today. See what's in your mind, what's you're feeling in your body. Any concerns or worries. We're just going to ground here together, taking some big, deep ocean breaths. Basically, we're going to exhale out of the mouth. And we'll just do 10 of these together, just breathing in. Exhaling out. A big inhale through the nose. And exhale out through the mouth. Big inhale. Then as you exhale, just beginning to imagine you're growing a root down to face your spine to your seat. Breathing in. Exhaling out. Feeling that root grow a little bit deeper. Self-land. Inhale. And exhale. Anchoring a little bit more into your body. Breathing in. Breathing out. Inhale. Full exhale. We'll just do a few more of these together, just breathing at your own pace. 
feeling each breath drop you a little bit deeper into your body, into yourself, giving your mind a minute to let go, your body a moment to let go. Take one more big deep inhale and a full exhale. With your eyes closed, just taking a moment to notice something you feel grateful for today. Bringing whatever that is into your mind's eye. yourself connect for just a minute to feeling of gratitude. Whenever you're ready, open your eyes. Oh my gosh, I feel amazing. <laughs> Good. It's really amazing what even just like a couple of deep intentional breaths can do to totally shift your nervous system and your state of mind and being. Thank you so much for that as a start, Bonnie. And it was really grounding and it's, it's a real gift to get to be reminded of just like breathing. It's, it's really important today especially as volatile as the world is and things are happening so fast you difficult news and sad news it's really nice to be able to do that we know that breath work has been very important for you yeah. actually in uh, helping you navigate your entrepreneurial journey your your living example of resilience i heard your other podcast uh, which i'll also post here for other listeners who are interested in you know, hearing your other stories and um, all these other skill sets that you have and what you do. So thank you for that. But today, you know, it's about you, Bonnie, and we're keen to hear more from you, maybe in your own words about this crazy and rich journey that you've been on and how it led you to, you know, the work you do today. Great. Well, I, I won't try to make it too, too long, um, but it can definitely give an overview of certainly who I am and how I got into this work. I kind of consider myself an accidental entrepreneur um, and sort of an accidental social impact um, entrepreneur. I always had a very deep entrepreneurial spirit and, you know, could really see that I, I was interested in helping people. I was interested in how that might show up in my life in lots of different ways. But it was really through um, my own healing journey that started in my early 20s when I was finishing undergrad um, at Colorado State. I developed a really severe digestive disorder that was very much linked to stress and honestly, probably poor college diet and drinking too much and, you know, not being as good to my body as most 20 year olds or 21 year olds are at that age. You're kind of like, ah, I can get away with all the things until you can't anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I developed this really severe issue that, you know, it was like my first kind of experience having a chronic health condition that 
didn't seem to want to go away. And I went through months and months of working with different doctors and trying different medications, um, trying to figure out what was going on with me. And when I finally got a diagnosis, they basically re-prescribed a medication that I already knew didn't work for me and told me to reduce my stress. And I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, it's pretty stressful not to be able to eat for sometimes what felt like weeks at a time where I just couldn't digest food. And also in that process, not one doctor had ever talked to me about what I was actually eating, which is also really fascinating when you think about it, you know, having a digestive issue and not being asked like, what are you actually putting in your body? So I suffered with that condition for about a year and a half and kind of just had figured I was going to have to figure out how to live with it for the rest of my life or kind of learn how to manage it. And then I met someone, um, I moved from Colorado to DC to take an internship, ended up deciding to stay in DC to kind of try out life there. And um, I met someone who helped me make some really basic changes to my diet, who introduced me to some healing supplements for my digestive system. And within about two months, I had completely healed myself after suffering for a year and a half. Um, it was a very painful condition. And so that was a real turning point for me because I just realized, well, number one, like my whole life changed by healing that issue. And then I also realized, wow, I wonder if there's probably a lot of other people out there who are going through similar things that need support in this way and probably just don't know where to look for answers outside of kind of this conventional medical system. So it got me really, really interested in health and nutrition and just became kind of a personal, yeah, it just became a really, just a huge personal interest of mine. I started doing tons of research. I started learning things. I started testing things on myself because I kind of see myself as like my own kind of lab, just like trying out new things for myself. And, um, it inspired me about four years later to go to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and become a health coach. And I started a health, holistic health coaching practice in 2008, working with really, really busy DC professionals. And I learned very quickly that people weren't as successful in our work together, not because they didn't understand what to do or because I couldn't provide the right information, but because they didn't have time to shop and cook. And very common thing that happens for people who are busy, right? It's like now there's a million services out there to support people around this issue. But back in 2008, when I started my practice, you know, meal wasn't really a thing. Um, Whole Foods was like kind of around, but I think in DC, there was maybe only one or two at that time. Um, healthy, there's just like the health food craze hadn't really kind of taken the foothold that it has. Now, a lot of people didn't even really know like what's organic and why should I eat it? And so there was just, you know, it was, it was a different time back then. And so I had a lot of clients who were kind of begging me to cook for them. And I had no, you know, I know how to throw a dinner party, but I certainly had no idea how to cook for a bunch of people at the same time, but it just kind of kept coming up over and over. I continue to see like, wow, there's really no healthy, convenient food. Why is that? And who's going to meet this need for the community? And eventually my sort of inner entrepreneur and the, the part of me that could really see a need in the marketplace just got the best of me. And I finally relented and was like, okay, let me try to do this for eight 
of my clients. And so I started a pilot program in 2009 with a handful of clients for about um, six weeks, prepared food for them, made some meal plans, did some, you know, research into the market and like what was available and went really well. Everyone was like, please keep doing this for us. And so in uh, early 2009, I launched a company called Healthy Bites, which was the first organic, mostly organic prepared meal delivery service in the Washington DC metro area. Um, essentially a personal chef service for busy people who wanted to eat better. Um, we prepared foods for uh, meals for three to four days at a time and delivered mm. um, to our clients to try to help meet this yeah, really this unmet need of healthy, convenient food, making it easy for people to eat well at home. So that's, that's kind of really part of my story that got me to this entrepreneurial venture that I started in 2009. I was just going to say that, you know, my parents were entrepreneurs growing up, but they had their own family business, a restaurant. And um, it's funny because when you're so busy, it's just like you can't eat well and also healthy eats were expensive in the beginning. I think it still is in the U.S. for the most part, you know, like getting some fruits are more expensive than getting some fries. Um, and so it just get, becomes this downward spiral. So really cool service. Yeah. And I just wanted to say, uh, make a comment. It's such a different landscape when you're a pioneer starting something. Mm. You know, when the health food craze hadn't hit, there wasn't like HelloFresh or all these other the services in the market. It's like an education process. And there are, you know, just that alone has its challenges. I had a creative agency when that was sort of just coming into being. And I just think I reflect on when you can catch something on the wave versus when you're pioneering something new, it's to it's just a totally different kind of landscape and, and mental space that you need to be in, perpetuate and grow that. Yeah, so it's so true. I mean, it, it really, there weren't really that many acts to follow, you know, and like the market research I was doing was like, okay, how are other people doing this and what are they charging? And it was kind of like, there were a few companies to look at, but not a lot. And, um, and it's just a really hard business. There's a reason why most of those companies, a lot of them have gone under, even ones that have, you know, tons of venture backing, you know, so fast forward to my story, but when I moved to San Francisco, you know, there were so many companies like this and in the first couple of years I was there, they all went under. And there's a reason for that. It's really hard to make the math work. It's, really, mm -hmm. it's a really challenging business model. But I didn't know any of that, you know, going into it. I had this, um, you know, I had, I had a passion for helping people get healthier. I had a passion for local, supporting local um, food systems and farmers. I had a passion for organic food. And I was seeing a way that I could bring all of these things together, um, really helping people heal themselves, helping, you know, farmers who are trying to do right by the earth and, and also just supporting this community that I live yeah. in. I love yeah. that you brought up the word passion, because I think that is the core of modern idealist as well. Um, whether our passion is for creating impact or, you know, for some other ways of creating positive change in this world. Uh, Mara and I have talked a lot, of, a lot about how name of passion, lots of things go under that, right? Um, whether it's the extra hours that we pay that we've seen in the nonprofit sectors or just like impact work, passion work. It's just sometimes this for passion most blinds us a little bit. I don't know. At least it did me and it still does sometimes, you know. So. Absolutely. And you also need it. Like if you're going to do something 
hard. If you're going to put yourself out there and take risks, like passion is, you know, it's the, it's the motivator. Absolutely. And so sometimes it's that, and there can be a shadow side to that, just like anything, just like any quality that you have in your life. Oh, and you know, you told the story before that you sort of hit a wall. At a well, I'll, I'll share, I'll share a little more context um, for my company, which is really what contributed to me hitting that wall. I very quickly realized in starting this business, there was a lot about it that did not match for me. Um, I really went into entrepreneurship because I wanted a sense of freedom mm. and I wanted to be my own boss. And that was a, a very big motivator, very big motivator for me. And what I realized very quickly was that, and I had started this business with a partner um, and I was doing most of the operational work. I was doing most of the work actually. Um, I'll tell more about that story in a second, but I realized that I was building something that was a brick and mortar business that was requiring me to work, you know, sometimes six or seven days a week. Eventually I had 20 employees. Eventually we had a carry out cafe that was also open six days a week. And there was a lot about what I was creating that didn't really match how I wanted to feel. And so there was just a huge disconnect for me that I couldn't really see a way to bridge. And so my, my partner and I had been having a lot of conversations about that. I was already hitting very severe um, feelings of burnout about a year and a half, two years into the business and wasn't really sure if it was right for me to stay in it. Um, I was also dealing with very severe anxiety, um, beginning to experience really severe depression. It's it just, I did not have any time for myself, you know, and most people who started something know, like in those first couple of years, this is, this is part of the entrepreneurial journey. You know, you put mm. everything into it to get it off the ground. And I was learning like, okay, this is all part of it. And I wasn't sure if I was made for it, actually, to be quite honest with you, um, because I also really value life balance. Like I value having time to take vacation, you know, and I hadn't had any time off in two years. Um, and it was in this process of being in a really honest inquiry with myself about if this was the kind of company that I actually wanted to run that I uncovered that my business partner was definitely not who I thought he was and that he had been systematically stealing the profits for really, it was actually a very concentrated period of time, but it was egregious enough that it put us in this horrible financial situation. And I realized that we were in about what I estimated to be about a couple hundred thousand dollars in tax and vendor debt that I learned was not going to go away in bankruptcy. And after exploring all my different legal options and what to really do, um, I was advised that my only option was really to remove my partner legally from the business and keep running it by myself and try to dig my way out of this huge hole that we were in. Um, really, and we were running on cash flow. We didn't have investors at that point. So um, it was a legal situation that I was in and the financial situation that I was in and, and really just realizing like the only way out is through. The only way out of this situation is to go right through it. And I think that's true for healing. <laughs> you know, I think that's true for a lot of things in life. And it was such a huge lesson for me at that time. Um, so it's a very long story that I won't get into in like great detail for time purposes, but 
essentially I embarked at that point, and this was probably, I think it was late 2011 that I discovered this and into 2012, ended up being about a four and a half year journey to clean up this horrible financial mess, keep my company afloat, keep it growing, and somehow learn to take care of myself in what I, where I was already feeling like I don't have anything else left to give to this. And now I'm suddenly still the CEO, but now running it by myself and, and managing this very, very complicated, difficult business on top of just putting out all of these just insane amount of fires. You know, it was like my life felt totally blinding to me at that point. It was like every time I turned a corner, there was another thing that kind of blew up or another like rock. I lifted up and was like, oh my God, what's under this that I didn't see before? So um, it was yeah. a very, very intense period of my life. And Let me no just get this straight. Sorry. You yeah. were already riding the line of burnout and about to yeah. hit a wall for the last year and a half. Yeah. Then you had a business partner that you realized that you didn't know who was taking money from the company. Then yeah. you had to try and get them out. You have to deal with the psychological, you know, the, yeah. the fact that you know, you've trusted this person and everything that comes with that. Then you've had to remove them. Then you've had to take care of 20 plus staff. Then you've had to put out fires and try and manage the company and, you know, make the money back so you could pay it back uh, to the state, I imagine. And yeah. all, all of this and the undercurrent being that you are so close to burnout, um, I can't even imagine how <laughs> stressful you know i think about how you know valerie and i talk about just like dancing the line of burnout all the time and having all these multiple factors at once but not only those pressures from the business but then externally you know the states knocking on your door for money this yeah. so it's a really complex situation yeah oh yeah it just it was it's so hard to even really describe it um and for you know, to describe it to somebody who wasn't there, for people who were in my life at that point, even the people who were closest to me were like, they couldn't even comprehend, like, how are you even getting through this? Because it was, it was so insane. Like, it was just every day was like some new level of just absolute, utter insanity of things to sort of sort through and wade through and get through and then, and then somehow try to like, yeah, just not completely get taken under by the waves that just kept coming. And at this point, like, did you have help? I mean, because you are now in the place, fast forward, you know, some years, you're in a place now helping other founders. But when yeah. you were in this situation, did you get help? And or were you just so like, you know, one foot in front of the other? A little while it was that. Um, but I very quickly realized, and, and this has really formed the foundation that I do with others now, that number one, that I, at that point was really the foundation of the business. Um, I was running it, you know, everyone was looking for, to me to lead. Um, I had to figure out how to get out of the situation and I had to keep showing up day after day. And so I realized that if I couldn't take care of myself, that if I couldn't figure out how to buoy myself in this incredible storm of my life, that the business was going to, not only the business was going to go under, but I was definitely going to go under. So um, it was really at that point that I had just like a huge shift in understanding totally out of survival, honestly, and necessity um, of looking at 
caring for myself and self-care in a way that I've never experienced it or seen it before. And so, I mean, there's so many things that I started doing at that point for myself because I had to, I absolutely survive. And I'm happy to talk about what some of those things are, um, if that's helpful, you know, for you. Well, for please, I think it's helpful for us <laughs> individuals yeah. and our listeners. Yeah. Uh, I think there's, uh, as Valerie said, when we started this, this, this kind of um, epidemic of burnout going on now, I think the stats were something like over 70% uh, of the workforce is burnt out. You know, there's yeah. so many people struggling with, you know, mental health and well-being, and, you know, much on this later, and we've spoken out about it before together of, you know, the self-care industry and, you know, what self-care really is. And I think digging deep into that and understanding how you manage to keep yourself afloat um, yeah. amidst all this, uh, all these challenges and turmoil is. Uh, so, can you tell us a little bit actually about those tools, methods yeah. that sort of walked you through? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of different things, but I'll just say, you know, my background is holistic. I live my life in a holistic way. So I started, of course, was viewing the whole thing holistically. Like there, I knew there were things I need to do for myself physically, mentally and emotionally. Um, so I was looking at all the different pieces and, um, and also just like the mindset that I was in, you know, I, I think we've talked about this, like kind of pre-show, but I realized that I had really been in this like martyr mentality of like mm. kind of seeing my life as a sacrifice to this thing that I was creating and not really prioritizing myself alongside of it. And so I knew that had to change. So it's like, I'm, I deserve also to be supported. I deserve to have space for myself. And, um, and so that was a big shift for me and just like, letting starting to let go of some of the guilt of maybe turning off at a decent time of night like when i could like taking more space for myself like really creating more time to do things so that was a piece and directly connected to that around the mindset pieces boundaries i just had to start setting a lot harder boundaries around my time first of all like saying no to things that I knew weren't really going to energize me. You know, you get those invitations to do things and you're like, oh, I should go to that. And it was like, no more shitting all over myself. Like there's no more should. It's like only if I can do this, like if I have the energy to do this, you know, anything kind of extra. Um, but then also really looking at my energy, like there were a lot of things that I was doing for the business that were really extremely draining for me. And so I started making an inventory of what those things were and when i had the money um when i was starting to get to the point where i could um get more support i started outsourcing that stuff you know like i basically made a job description that was like here's all the things that i don't want to do like all the things they may not take as much time but time and energy you still have a limited amount of each of these things in a day so i was really looking at how i could offload the really draining pieces of my work so there was some things i you know just mindset things and then also business decisions that i made that were helpful in that front um can i ask you talked about switching off and being able to draw a line in the sand yeah how did you manage to do that in terms of you're under-resourced you, you know you, you don't have enough time in the day how did you manage to just say okay well this is it these are my boundaries when 
you know, you had so much at stake. Because I know when I'm doing workshops with clients, they're always talking about how there's not enough time in the day. They're so under-resourced, but they have to deliver and they have to get things done. How did you manage? Well, it didn't happen overnight, that's for sure. Um, I mean, I started by, I started with the things that were like the extracurricular things, you know, the things mm -hmm. that I was like showing up for outside or trying to, the little bit of time that I had, which helpful you know so i like started there and then i just slowly like there there were times too where i realized like oh i'm making i'm putting like a line in the, on this it doesn't need to be here you know sometimes we do that we're like oh the customer needs to get the newsletter on the third wednesday of whatever like they don't know that <laughs> you know <laughs> like so i was like where am i like where if there's anywhere if there's a false deadline that i've created for myself no. like, get, out, false like, deadlines. get that out of the way and maybe i didn't have a lot of those you know so um it is hard i mean and that was actually one of the hardest parts is i didn't have a lot of space at the beginning but whatever i could take even if it was that like i have to go home and walk my dog for 20 minutes tonight and listen to some terrible pop music because it makes me feel happy for five minutes. <laughs> you know? like, whatever you can carve out for yourself, like, or for myself, it's like those kind of, I kind of talk about it like a, you know, it's like a sacred pause, like whatever kind of moment I can make for myself. And then I also had, um, we had a, my husband and I also just like every Sunday, I did not work. Like I just made a hard boundary around Sunday I'm not working and we would go for a hike every Sunday in Rock Creek Park in DC. And that was my time. And, and sometimes that was the only time I really got all week. But um, I learned that I had to just create like some non-negotiables like this. Mm. Is, there has to be a hard boundary around this thing. Mm. Even if it might hurt a little bit on Monday morning, like the way I talk about this with entrepreneurs now is, you know, you're an essentially you're an elite athlete. And every elite athlete knows that you have to have a recovery day. You oh, have to have time. And if you don't, you will burn out. And I would just know that, like, if I don't take this time for myself, next week is going to suck even more. Like, mm. yeah, I got a few things done today, but I'm not going to have any energy. I'm not going to have any capacity to really show up. And it's going to actually make my week harder. So I just kind of looked at, like, what's in that bucket of like what's in my recovery time and how can I use it? And also there's a lot of practices like time is not just one of them, right? Like there are so many things I did to boost myself physically. Like I knew that I can control what I eat every day, you know, like I can eat healthy food. Thankfully I had an organic cafe and an organic meal delivery service where that be like, if I don't eat well and I don't eat these certain things, like I have the energy I need to show up in the day. If I don't have a you know a green juice and a healthy, I don't stop and eat lunch, even if while I eat it. You know, these are things that are not negotiable for me that mm. I can do every single day. How did you get to the point though of being non-negotiable with this? Because I know for me, uh, you know, when I'm invited to do things, I want to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you have some thoughts on this. I want to do everything. I'm and... basically trying to be accountable to like, you know, not <laughs> over signing up for everything. Yeah. So I'm like raining on her parade. Yeah, and then I'm like, Valerie, I'm fine. I'll tell you if I, you know, <laughs> if I need it. I'm, yeah. I'm fine. But then when I come to the weekend, I'm like full in a heap. And 
you know, I usually get sick and then I'm like, okay, I need to build myself back up and, and then start all over again. And, and, you know, I know these principles. Um, so that, I guess my question is, there's probably experienced guilt, like guilt of not showing oh, yeah. up to be there for friends, guilt of not being able to work around the clock or, or fit in these extracurricular things, like getting past that guilt to prioritize yourself. I think maybe not just women, but a lot of women, I would say, would have that feeling of, you know, yeah. we've got to do everything and we, we've got to balance it all and juggle and manage. How do you just get past that guilt to, you know, be firm and disciplined about, yeah, I'm going to have, you know, this time to take the hike. I'm going to do these things that are good for me. Yeah. Well, I think there's, I guess, a couple of things that come to mind with that question. Um, the first is what I've really noticed about behavior change with myself and also in all the work I've done around habit formation and, and um, development with my clients too, is that you will not make a change until you have a big enough reason why to do it. And for me, I absolutely did. Like, I felt like I literally, my life depended on it. <laughs> you know, like I had, to, I had to do it or I did not feel like I was going to survive. And so that was a big enough reason for me to be like, okay, I need to change my relationship to taking care of myself. I need to change my relationship to the guilt about doing it. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's a piece of it is just like really being very clear on like why you want to do something, like why you need to take Sunday off or whatever it is, you know, whatever that boundary is or that kind of non-negotiable space that you're trying to take for yourself. And then, um, you know, the, the other thing that, I guess a couple other things that come to mind. Um, number one is just like really looking at like, what is your guilt? What is your guilt saying to you? You know, like what is, what's the narrative that's going on with that guilty voice and what's mm -hmm. it saying to you? And then really looking at it and being like, is that true? You know, and mm -hmm. what if I could tell myself something different? What mm -hmm. if I could say something different to myself? What would that be? And then really just beginning to like catch that narrative when it shows up and work on a new one. You know, it's like your thoughts are going to create your feelings, are going to create your actions. So there's something in that piece. And then the third piece, I think, is like, once you can start to get yourself to do it, like even just practice, like life is practice, right? And what you repeat strengthens. So practicing like, okay, I'm going to show up. I'm going to take this time for myself this week. And then you start to notice like, oh, I felt a lot better when I did that, you know, and you start to see the benefits <laughs> of the choice. It starts to make it easier to continue to make that choice. So um, it's the why it's the narrative that's going on and, and changing the narrative. And then it's, and then it's like experiencing the benefits of the choice. So it makes it easier to keep doing it. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? That's wonderful. Yes. We love it. We talk a lot about the narratives as well. And Bonnie, I know now you turn your personal lessons into toolbox for others, especially in others in entrepreneurships or social entrepreneurship specifically. Can you talk to us more about that? Like anybody who's who's trying to create something in the world, a lot of people are they're up against the same things. We're up against our own limiting beliefs the stories that we're telling ourselves, you know, these stories of I'm not enough, 
um, the imposter syndrome that shows up. Like there's so much commonality across the board, whether you're running a business or even in a social impact kind of environment where you want to make a difference and connect to your purpose and, and stepping into that, you know? So there's, I think a lot of similarity in what shows up around just the things that are happening in terms of people's like mindset and mm. inner, inner kind of dialogue. And I think across the board too, there are so many things that piece in my coaching practice that I see can benefit everybody, you know, like on the, for example, you're asking about tools, you know, on the physical side, like the way I kind of talk about it with people is like making, making, um, you know, your personal kind of recovery kit and like, what do you want to be in that every single week? And it needs to address your physical needs. It needs to address your emotional needs. Um, it needs to address your mental needs. And I try to help people really build that around how they want to feel. And if you're not familiar with Danielle Laporte and her work around the desire map and poor desired feelings, it's been a huge influence in my work. Um, and, and particularly even around kind of self-care and this recovery toolkit idea. But if we don't get to feel the way we want to feel, we're just not going to be happy in our life. And, you know, kind of coming back to like in my business, I knew I wanted to feel a sense of freedom and my business was never going to give me that. And so even when you're thinking about like how you like to recover, spend your time, how do you want to feel? I want to feel more grounded or mm. exhausted. I want to feel more energized. You know, I want to feel more connected and you can really choose what those things are based upon that, you know, maybe um, for days you want to feel more grounded. It's like, I want to take a walk in nature. I want to do some yoga or meditation. I want to feel more connected. I want to go, I need to be social. I need to see my friends, you know, I need to be in mm. community. And I think this idea of self-care is so self-focused, but so much of self-care is so much more powerful when it happens in community, when you get to experience it something with other people so i feel like this yeah. is so yeah this is great this is a great segue into actually uh something that comes up in every modern idealist episode you know you touched on i'm gonna have to take it one at a time before we finish but yeah some of these controversies right that like one of the first things that you mentioned was on not being able to do things that you want to do if you can't feel the way you want to feel um, I think I clearly, I think we, we've seen the same, we've felt the same and in a space where we want to make this change happen in this world. But at the same time, um, I'm, other things that it might be more subconscious, but I want to do, there are hard realities of life, like financial needs, or even some that may not be so short term, but, you know, as my peers were um, growing wealth, the way that we've been taught for our own financial security over time, like, I'm fine this year and next year, I think, but like the fact that I feel like, you know, in the time that like in my age group, that's what I should be doing and focusing on. I'm and not doing that, but this grand change that I'm hoping to make uh, a trade off. That's basically the word we always end up using here. Yeah. Um, what were some of those for you or even just what have, what have you seen? We'll go through times where it's just like life is a sprint. And maybe you can't take care of yourself in the way that you want to in those moments. Um, you know, like, oh, I would love to go. It'd be great if I could go to yoga a couple, two, three times a week or work out two, three times a week. And then 
there are just those times where you're like, I don't have time to do this right now. This is something that I'm going to have to choose to let go mm. in this particular season or in this particular moment. But then it's also about, you know, kind of coming back to those core things for yourself. It's like, okay, well, what can I control and what, what can I actually do for myself? I can control what time I go to sleep mm. at night. I can control what my morning routine looks like. Even if I only have five minutes, am I going to spend that time on Instagram or am I going to five minutes and take a few deep breaths, you know? So there are some things that like, it doesn't have to tell you about time. It's also about your habits and it's also about how you're choosing to set things up. So yes, I think there are certainly times where there are trade-offs. You're just like, I'm in a sprint and I got to get to the end of it. Um, the thing is, like, when you get to the end of it, what I find often happens is when people kick the can down the road again, they're like, oh, now I got to that thing, right? And then, like, wow, you're just talking about me. Right? And then you don't stop and, like, reevaluate and kind of make yeah. change. So it's, it's really funny that you say that because I, I, yeah, I would say I'm a sprinter. I was mm -hmm. at school, but, like, a, you know, I, I sprint with my work. Um, about there. <laughs> and then the weekends kind of you know maybe I do something social if I can and then I sort of crash and burn but then I've got enough energy to sprint the next week yeah. but I, I have you know I try to implement things uh where I can and I think the breathing I've been doing breathing exercises in the morning and evening and it okay. really um the clarity of mind gives me a fresh attitude coming into the day and I mean right now I know a lot of the things that I should be doing and I'm sitting and listening to you and I'm furiously writing down and I'm like I know this I know that I need to connect with my why again but I'm just not doing it because I'm too uh, I'm in sprint mode too much mm -hmm. and lucky you know we've got holidays coming up here in um in Norway and, and Northern yeah. Europe but um so I'm like okay I'm sprinting towards that goal but you you know saying these are the things in my control and this is where this is a season where okay maybe this will have to take a back seat but really being controlling the things you can instead of yeah. just going okay well I know I could just have a couple more things and not really doing anything about it having that discipline I think is so important yeah I love that me think too, Marin. I mean, sometimes I'm thinking these trade-offs um, I'm filmed, right, in a certain sprint. And I'm like, I have to do everything in the next six months. <laughs> I think time is something that Marin's brought up before. And uh, I feel like I need to solve, like, world problems and my own growth problems. And uh, I get overwhelmed and then nothing gets done. Mm. Uh, and I end up with a bigger backlog. So then I, it, it's been... I should focus on what grounds me, what I can do, like you said, you know, all things or just daily things. And then you can come back tomorrow for the, for the bigger fight. Really, um, for me, um, is, uh, something I learned in reading this amazing book and we're kind of like talking about burnout. We haven't gotten into like any kind of nitty gritty about it specifically, but, um, there's a book called burnout by Amelia and Emily Nagoski, and they talk a lot about to complete the stress cycle on a yes. daily basis yeah the stress hormones that you're experiencing throughout the day they build up 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 you can remove the stressor like hey i'm going home from work now or i'm turning off the whatever for the day but removing the stressor doesn't remove the stress hormones that have accumulated in your body so it's really important to find something you can do every day 
to kind of complete that cycle. You know, I talk about it like a sacred pause. This is another way to look at it. So, and in order to do that, you have to do something. It's not like you can go sit on the couch and watch Netflix. That's not doing it. Mm -hmm. Like the breathing, like diaphragmatic breathing is a way to release stress. Um, walking, like any form of exercise, singing, like something creative, like moving your body in some way. Um, hugging someone, crying, like there are a lot of things that you can do to actually you think about it. It's like, just kind of take the lid off the boiling pot of water and like let some of the steam out so that it doesn't accumulate to this point where it totally takes you out. Where then like you were talking to Marin, like then all of a sudden I get sick and I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm down for the count for two weeks. Like when I go on vacation, you know, all it all hits you at the same time. Um, like, but it like, just even little practices, like something you can do every single day to just support yourself, to kind of like let some of the steam out, complete the stress cycle. It doesn't have to be a ton, you know, just little, these little habits that you can start to integrate that really go a super, super long way. I love that. And I think, uh, ending the stress cycle, I think about that and reflect on it a lot. And I know something it says in the book as well is you, um, need to find something that makes you feel psychologically safe mm. so that's also you know why everyone has a different way of winding down because everyone has a different way of feeling safe you know maybe yeah. for someone the safety of a partner giving them a big two-minute hug is you know the, the best way to wind down and release some endorphins and get rid of that stress and end the cycle and others it's yeah dancing around or going for a workout um so i love that there are many things and we just have to test and try them out and see what works in any given season. Yeah. Mm. yeah. As the drama for the end. So uh, I really wanted to get through this last controversy before we have to let you go, Bonnie, in, in yeah. a few minutes. So we've seen um, a growing trend of wellness in Western societies, right? Like uh, with different forms of programs and available uh, activities, I guess it's a sign of a good thing. And sometimes when a good thing happens in masses, it gets taken out of context and stuff like that. Um, and so now it's almost like it's come down to, we've seen, you know, really light um, word for it, but like a super version of it. Mm -hmm. And so some have differing opinions about how the wellness has grown into this industry machine, uh, like any good thing becomes. And so Marin might want to introduce this piece that she found and posted. It was called uh, Wellness is Not a Woman's Friend. I'll let you talk about that story really quick, Marin. Yeah, so, okay, just being, uh, just summarize as quickly as I can. So I read this article and it was just talking about the wellness industry and basically the effects of neoliberal capitalism on this industry and how there's a lot of this maybe, could we say, um, white feminism going on when it comes to oh okay you know you can just go and have a um, quick fix to make you feel better whether it's makeup whether it's get your hair done I mean these things aren't toxic or unhealthy by nature of course mm -hmm. it's just the fact that we're being told that you know in order to um, calm down and in order to de-stress there's all these things that we have to spend high amount of money on and it's often connected to beauty as well as you know this feeling of wellness that is just taking us in a really bad uh, and I think in some ways perpetuating inadequacies depending on what it is as well because you know maybe you can't afford to do um, a retreat maybe you can't afford to get your hair done maybe you um, 
posted this, right? Yeah. Oh, so it's on my Facebook. Um, basically, you know, got some different views of, uh, I politely disagree in some cases with this. So it's not a, it's, you know, it's a both and situation. But the, the point is when maybe controversy or people disagreeing on this thread that, um, and I just realized how differently people see it and perceive it. Um, yeah, sparked up the a bit of rigorous debate, I guess. Yeah, now we want your take, Yeah, <laughs> the wellness industry. I mean, it, um, our call here, and I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of truth to the way the wellness industry has been. I mean, you know, it's opted by capitalism and this idea of like you're broken almost and you need mm -hmm. to fix yourself and you need to improve yourself and you do it by wearing this thing or going to the spa or getting your hair blown out or like this is the way that you pamper yourself and take care of yourself and be wrong with like wanting to look good and and mm. you know have that be a motivator for your own wellness but i think a lot of what's going on in the wellness industry is really a bypass. It's a bypass from looking at like what's really going on in your life and how can you live in better alignment with yourself, with what you truly want, with what you truly need for yourself and what do you need to heal to get to that place? Like what like not unglamorous things do you need to deal with, you know, to get to that place? Like, managing your money and having probably some difficult conversations and dealing with that traumatic thing that happened to you, you know, and it's, it all is also a privilege to even have space or time or energy to do some of those things for yourself. So I'm really recognize like the privilege that's even in caring for yourself because so many people with, you know, the systematic inequality that's out there, people working for jobs to just survive, you know, all the things that are going on. Like the, there's so many people that don't even have that luxury. Um, um, I just, you know, I, something that comes to mind is something I read in an article. This is not my quote. And I, I, if I find it, I'll send the link to you so you can put it in the show notes. But basically the, the sentiment was that true self-care is creating a life that you don't feel you need to escape from. And I feel like so much mm. what's kind of peddled by the wellness and self-care industry is like escape your life by doing this thing. But then if you come back into your life, that's totally out of alignment. It's just this constant cycle of escaping and coming back and escaping and coming back. And so I feel it's really important to like address those root causes. And in my mind, that's real wellness. Like that's real self-care is like getting to the root of where your unhappiness is, what's, your, what's creating your burnout, what do you really need and looking at those things and being very honest about them and then doing something about it and getting support if you need to, or, you know, whatever that is. And yeah, go have a fun spot because It feels good, but that's not the answer. Mm. And especially as you touched upon before, there's a lot of systemic issues, especially um, that minorities face where they can't necessarily, you know, they're, they're inundated with work. And it, like you said, it is a luxury or a privilege to be able to take the time and, and sit back and re reflect on these things. Yeah. So there is, um, you know, we, we should, where we can take the ability to reevaluate and see how we can make things better for our own lives. But 
also acknowledging that the systemic pressure that women and particular, particularly minority women and minorities in general are under. You know, if you're a working woman and you've got kids to raise and you've got to do all the things at home as well as show up and, you know, be a certain way at work, where do you find the time to um, take any kind of wellness and well-being for yourself? You're just going constantly. So, Yeah, the system is not designed to support you in any way. And so there's, I mean, that's a whole conversation of itself. Mm -hmm. But yes, like it is, it's a, it's a very privileged space to be in, to be able to think about how can I care for myself better. Hmm. Yeah. But thank you yeah. so much for shining a light on the importance of that, Bonnie. It's really uh, an important today for the entrepreneurs out there, for our listeners who are, you know, maybe even for myself, I'm in the corporate world, but even just sustaining the, the work that I think I'm doing, making sense of everything, um, part of it, like you said, I think you said mentally, physically, and emotionally. emotionally. That's right. I remember. So that would be my goal, Cass. Um, but truly thankful for sharing a few things. I can't even begin to sum up everything, but, you know, I, I've written down here some really interesting about, you know, being mindful of when we're creating false sense of urgency, creating those uh, non-negotiables for ourselves, uh, recovery time, eating well, personal recovery kit. So I'll be sure to, you know, list some of these in our show notes and just really appreciate you for being candid and coming on to share your rich with us. I'm going to have this personal recovery kit, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, the definite prioritization list. Great. Yeah. And it can be small. It can be a couple things a day. It doesn't even have to take a lot of time, you know, just things that you can do to support yourself. Yeah. Resonated. And thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure to talk about this. I could talk about it all day long. So thanks for, (laughs) thanks for digging in with me. Thank you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed our podcast so far, do leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast and find us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Modern Idealist Podcast.